Blog Talk Radio. You know, happiness is a dimension of our own nature. Happiness, from a spiritual point of view, is not based on conditions or circumstances. Innately, we're happy beings. We're spiritual beings. That means that happiness and joy are already built within. And as we're growing spiritually, we are removing filters from seeing or feeling the happiness that's already there. When we're somewhat blocked, happiness is conditioned. We say, well, I got a new car, therefore I'm happy. Or this person didn't call me back, therefore I'm unhappy. And so it's conditioned-based. But as we mature spiritually and we begin to touch into our real nature and being, we notice that we're happy regardless of what's going on. Something bad happens, we don't like it, but the happiness is still there. Uh, someone doesn't call us back, some plan doesn't work out, we don't like it, but the happiness is still there. So that's a sign of spiritual maturity. So can we define happiness as the way to transform every emotion and transform it in, to feel something right? Yes. You, you can uh, basically, you, you discover your happiness when you're able to see that in every circumstance there is possibility, there's potential, and there's an energy behind it pushing you to a greater expression of, of, of who and what you really are. People become frustrated and unhappy if they feel there's no way out, if they feel that every road is blocked. But in reality, with a capital R, there's no such world. No world like that exists. We're surrounded by infinite possibilities. And so with a shift of perception and attitude, you begin to see those possibilities. And those possibilities uh, invite us uh, to activate potential within us. Uh, the gifts and talents within us that are latent, the possibilities invite us to activate, to discover and activate those, those possibilities. So again, then happiness would be us uh, becoming more ourselves. That would be a very blissful state. You see? So it doesn't deny that bad things happen in the world. It doesn't deny that people die. People die on us. You know, people leave jobs change. It doesn't deny that. But when we come to an understanding that even with all the changes that are going on in the phenomenal world, there's still something about us that's permanent. There's something about us that's forever. And that part of us that's forever is spiritual, which means it never, it never began and it will never end. And as we become more and more identified with that, identified not just in, with a belief system, but identified that with some kind of spiritual practice, some kind of focus, some kind of intention, then our life takes on a whole different, a whole different vibration. How we can overcome the fear of rejection? Rejection is paying too much attention. The fear of rejection is paying too much attention to what other people are thinking about you and other, what other people are thinking about what you're thinking about. And people live in that kind of a bubble. I wonder if that person likes me. I wonder if this person appreciates me. And those are, uh, that's the wrong mode of being in the world. You have to think about what the universe thinks about you. And the universe thinks you're important. The, the, whatever name you want to use, you can say the universe, you can say the cosmos, you can say God, whatever. What, what, is, what does the universe think of you? 
And because you were created, you have meaning, you are important, you're worthy, you're worthwhile, because you weren't made accidentally. You weren't just accidentally made. Uh, nature didn't just come together and accidentally make you. You know, uh, there was a perfect idea behind you with c complete potential and possibility uh, to be activated. So you have to begin to think about, we all have to begin to think about, how does the universe think about me? Not how does that person over there think about me? Not how those group of people over there think about me. That's a waste of my time. Then I start to people please. I start to do things to make them like me, and, and, which may take away from my mission, may take away from my authenticity. It may take away from my, my powers because I'm thinking about what they're thinking about. And they're thinking about what I'm thinking about. Everybody's thinking about what other people are thinking about what they're thinking about. <laughs> no. And what difference do you, do you see between pay attention to others yes. and learn from feedback of others? Yeah. yeah, you can learn from feedback from others. I'm not overly concerned about what others are thinking about me because I'm, I'm living my passion and my purpose and my intention and then life gives me feedback. If, if I'm being stubborn in some area, then, then, then there'll be some feedback from either life itself or from people. If, if I'm being arrogant, you'll get the feedback. If you're being wishy-washy, you get the feedback. So you learn how to pay attention. And, you know, as, you, as you mature, and become more comfortable with yourself, you're able to take criticism. And what happens is uh, you start paying, uh, you start seeing, what, what, what they're called the two imposters, criticism and praise. There are people that praise you and people that criticize you. But after a while, you don't really care about either one of them. They're called imposters. And so if somebody's criticizing you and saying, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, you know, shut up, whatever, <laughs> you, 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 you don't care. It's like, thank you for your feedback, <laughs> you know. And if somebody says, oh, you're the greatest. You're the greatest. You, 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 you're the best. You say, thank you, for your, thank you for your feedback. You start treating both the same because you're not trying to get something from the people. You're giving a gift to the people. You're getting your information and your energy directly from the life force, you see. You're getting fed by life. Life is giving you information and you're sharing it. And if people don't want it, and they say, ah, it's a bunch of baloney, thank you. I won't give it to you, you know. And if somebody says, I want it, thank you. Here it is. But after a while, praise and criticism, you don't really care because you're, you're, you're becoming so in tune inside of yourself. Yeah. It's, like, it's like if you are a mathematician and you know that 10 plus 10 is 20, you know it. It's not an opinion. You know it. And you stand in front of a group. And you start to do your math, and somebody says, I don't believe that. What are you going to do? You're going to say, okay, thank you. You know, you know 10 plus 10 is 20. You say, okay, thank you very much. <laughs> Good example. They're giving you feedback where you need to grow. Because when you get out here as a public figure, people talk about you. If you do really good, they talk about you more. If you do really, really good, they talk about you really, really more. It, it yeah. goes with scale. And then you learn this. Um, mediocrity attacks excellence all the time. And so if you're seeking to live a, an excellent life, those who are, have agreement with mediocrity, they attack you because you're making them uncomfortable. They want to stay small, so they attack people who are trying to do big things. Let's talk about the law of attraction. According to you, how we can use the law of attraction? Well, the, the basic, first start with the basics. The basic law is 
what you chronically think about is what you bring about in your experience. A thought is a unit of mental energy. Energy can never be created or destroyed. Energy just keeps changing itself into higher or lower expressions. So if you're constantly thinking negative, you know, uh, life is hard and, and then you die. There's not enough good jobs around. Uh, there's no... Decrease crisis. Yeah, there's, everything is working. Then you, your, your body temple gets that message. The cells of your, of your body begin to hear that. It starts to produce, produce toxic chemicals. Your immune system starts to become unhinged, starts to be, be impaired. Your thinking starts to go down because of the toxic chemicals. And you start to bring about what you're thinking about. You become sick, uh, not as much energy, so therefore your opportunities are depleted. Uh, your energy is down, critical thinking goes down. And then you start to bring about that negativity that you're describing. But you change it around and you begin to say, you know, I'm surrounded uh, by opportunities. Life is good. Everything is working together for my good. I, 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 I'm surrounded by infinite opportunities. Uh, prosperity is right here. And then what happens, when you start to say that, your mood is lifted, tonic chemicals and endorphins start to go through the body, starts to amplify your immune system, your thinking becomes more clearer, you start to see life differently, opportunities, you start to see opportunities that you couldn't see before, possibilities open up that you didn't even know about because your attitude has changed, and what looks like the law of attraction is simply you lifting your vibration so that you can see the potential that's here. And then we call it the law of attraction, but what it really is, I call it the law, of, the law of radiation, the law of emergence. Because what you're doing is allowing that which is within you to come out and, and to radiate and to emerge and to express. And then in the physical form, good things happen. And it looks like it's a, you're attracting it, but what's really happening is you're radiating it. And what you're radiating is becoming visible.
Um, I just want to have you to have a look at this, this graph. To frame it, it's UK private debt since 1880. And you can see what happens around the Great Depression. Uh, and then suddenly Thatcher comes to power, private debt takes off. Richard, uh, financial sector, a, a bloated or a dominant financial sector, its effect in your view on the real economy? Well, first of all, it's interesting that um, the national income accountants who think a lot about the overall economy, how to measure it and how to you know, structure the data, they actually have been struggling for decades with uh, the question what to do with the financial sector. Why? Because uh, GDP is actually created by national income accounting by adding up value-added activities. And that's where the financial sector has a problem. What is the value added? Um, and it's, it's been so difficult that essentially the um, national accounting statisticians have to make up a fictional value and just add it onto GDP and say, okay, that's, we can say that maybe is, is what the financial sector is doing. Because essentially, there is no value added, there's value extracted. And so, really, you need to subtract it from GDP. Has the finance sector, the fire sector, has it become a cost center? Because is, is, there, as, you know, is there a sweet spot where it's actually serving humanity, society, and facilitating business? And when it becomes a profit generator in and of itself, it becomes detrimental to the wider, to the wider world. Start with you. Well, exactly. Um, even the mainstream textbooks in finance, banking, and macro monetary economics will, will show banks as financial intermediaries. Now, there's, there's a problem with that. It's clear there is a high price that we're paying for this, what should be a humble intermediation service that's being performed. And the salaries that are being paid are uh, you know, famously very high, which is very strange if they're just intermediaries. Practically, where does that end up? I think there's a structural problem. That is the concentration of the banking sector. So in the UK, five banks account for 90% of deposits, which is one of the most concentrated banking systems in the world. In Germany, um, those high street banks account for 12% of deposits, and 70% of deposits are accounted for by 1,500 local not-for-profit community banks. There's a general tendency when an organization gets large and larger and larger and gets very big, um, essentially, decisions are made without accountability and the temptations of power strike. Lord Acton famously put it this way, you know, um, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. So when you have very large banks and only five of them dominating the economy and through the political mechanism and the already financial sector-centered political system and political infrastructure. You know, the city of London having a person in parliament that is not elected, the remembrance, uh, and you know, all these rights of the square mile as a sovereign state, you know, all these things. And the Queen needs permission and to go there, right? Exactly. And so what you will get is large banks only wanting to deal with large customers in order to do large deals. And that's also where you get the large bonuses. Well, we've done a study on the US, which has the biggest banking sector in the world, over 15,000 banks of all sizes and shapes. The very large banks deal with the very large customers, give very large loans. The medium-sized banks give medium-sized loans. Who is lending to small firms? It is only the small banks. Now, the UK doesn't have those. 
So the structure has become too concentrated and what is badly needed in the UK is decentralization. One has to break up the, the financial sector and um, have much smaller units because small banks, community banks are locally accountable. You can't suddenly do a crazy project or you know, big corruption because people see what you're doing. But I think you'd argue for decentralized banking system, wouldn't you? Even though you're a city uh, oh, devotee. No, but because it's so I'd, like Richard, I'd like Richard to comment on this because I am, and I, as I'm sure Richard is, but we've had our metro banks, we've had our older malls, we've had our one savings. Challenger banks, all challenger, the challenger, challenger banks. Bank. We've had uh, Handels Bank. Well, Handelsbank has done a fantastic job, but it's still tiny. Exactly. Now, they will stay tiny. The ones um, that are UK challenger banks and that are profit-oriented. You, you know why? Because the moment they get a bit bigger, yeah. they will be bought up and they will disappear. This is exactly what happened over the last yeah. 100 years. Richard, when you think about inequality, inequality in the UK, and it's a hot topic, and you think about, as you'd like the banking sector to be uh, decentralized, flatter structure, more resilient. How do you begin to uh, talk to the public or the political class about achieving those goals? Essentially, you know, if, if, if um, we want to produce something, we need funding. So there's a role for banks in almost everything that's happening in the economy. But what exactly is that role? I just Quickly, I'd like to reflect on that. Banks are being thought of as intermediaries, but this is not really what's happening. Banks, what, what are they then? They're creators of the money supply. So you're all firmly of the view that banks create money out of thin air? Yes, well, I, I produced the first empirical studies to prove that um, in the 5,000-year history of banking. Banks are thought of as uh, deposit-taking institutions that lend money. The legal reality is banks don't take deposits and banks don't lend money. So what is a deposit? A deposit is not actually a deposit. It's not a bailment. It's not held in custody. Uh, at law, the word deposit is meaningless. The law courts and various judgments have made it very clear if you give your money to a bank, even though it's called a deposit, this money is simply a loan to the bank. That's true. Yeah. So there is no such thing as a deposit. So There's you think it's poorly and it's adequately named then? So mm. banks borrow from the public. Okay, so that much we've established. What about lending? Surely they're lending money. Um, no, they don't. Banks don't lend money. Banks, again, at law, it's very clear, they're in the business of purchasing securities. That's it. So you say, okay, don't you know, confuse me with all that legalese. No. I want a loan. I want a loan. Yeah. Fine. Here's the loan contract. Here's the offer letter. And you sign. At law, it's very clear, you have issued a security, namely a promissory note and the bank is going to purchase that. That's what's happening. Put at it law. in layman's terms. What does that mean? It means that um, what the bank is doing is very different from what it presents to the public that it's doing. How does this fit together? So you say, fine, the bank purchases my promissory note, but how do I get my money? I want, you know, it's a I loan. Want I want my 200 money. grand. Right? I don't care about the details. I want the money. The bank will say, well, you'll find it in your account with us. That would be technically correct. If they say, will transfer it to your account, that's wrong because no money is transferred at all it's already from in anywhere inside the bank or outside the bank. Why? Because what we call a deposit is simply the bank's record of its debt to the public. Now it also owes you money and its record of the money it owes you is what you think you're getting as money and that's all it is. And that is how the banks create the money supply. The money supply consists to 97% of 
bank deposits. And these are created out of nothing by banks when they lend because they invent fictitious customer deposits. Why? They simply restate slightly incorrectly in accounting terms what is an account's payable liability arising from the loan contract having purchased your promissory note as a customer deposit but nobody has deposited any money. I wonder how the FCA deals with this because in the financial sector you're supposed to not mislead your customers. <laughs> um, anyway, I so, I had, I, I don't the so, the, so the banks create the money supply yes. by inventing these claims on themselves, the, you know, the fictitious deposits. That can be actually positive for the economy as long as this money creation is in line with the creation of new goods and services, uh, implementation of new technologies and therefore adding value and adding value in the economy is funded by this money creation. If that happens, and we're talking about um, business investment, productive loans, productive bank credit, you will have no inflation. These loans can also be serviced and repaid. You have a stable economy without problems and with low inequality. And so countries that achieve this, that the banks lend mainly for productive purposes, whether it's Germany in much of its 200-year history or um, in the last Can century, the East Asian economies where bank credit was largely for productive purposes, then you're fine. But there's two more cases. I quickly need to point them out because that's the contrast. But, but just, just, just clarify that, that inequality is, is significantly it's lower. Lower, yes. Inflation is low. Yes. And, and, the real, and, the, and the real economy is thrives. booming, yes. That's when bank credit creation is focused on um, productive lending for productive purposes. As opposed to speculation and, and asset as, price. As opposed to, there are two other types. If banks create credit for consumption, it's yes. obvious what's going to happen. You suddenly have more money create, created and more demand for goods, but it's the same amount of goods and services. So you're creating consumer price inflation. Price That's going. well understood, and, and central banks are watching that a little bit. And what's but what's, what's less well understood is, and what's the biggest in the UK, um, it's probably more than 70% of all lending, um, actually way more than that, um, is bank credit creation, so money creation uh, for financial transactions, for asset transactions, for purchasing ownership rights. Now then you have a problem. Why? Because you're creating new money, but you're not creating new goods and services. You're simply constant, aren't they? You're giving somebody new purchasing power over existing assets, and therefore you must push up asset prices. So this you can, you can draw a chart where you show you know, asset prices, land prices, property prices in the UK, and it will match very closely, as, as we have, I've shown in, in Japan and other countries. And that also creates the inequality. So when the, the banking sector has focused too much on unproductive lending, and the UK is dominant. It strikes me that what you're telling me, and tell me I'm wrong, is that lending in order to get around this deposit stroke loan situation needs to be categorized. You're right, exactly. Is that right? That's right. Um, we need to look at where the money is going. That makes a whole world Different. of difference. Okay. So if money, is, is bank credit, is extended for productive purposes, you're fine. You'll get a good economy, no inflation, and financial stability. And also, you don't have this inequality problem. And do you think there should be different capital ratios towards no. each? No, the whole Basel capital approach doesn't work. Why? Because it's, it's premised on the idea that banks are just financial intermediaries. But they're not. They're money creators. We need bank regulation that recognizes reality of how the banks actually operate. So what you're saying, this is a regulation problem? Clearly, yes, it's a regulation problem. That's right. We need uh, different regulation. And the only regulation that actually has succeeded in, in history 
and we have good data for the 20th century in particular, in preventing asset bubbles and banking crises, which are all driven by this bank credit for financial transactions. You know, leads to this asset boom, and it's, it's a game of musical chairs. You know, you have to play it. It's mm-hmm. rational to play it while the music is playing, which is how asset prices are driven by ever more bank credit for financial transactions. The moment it stops, asset prices fall. You get the first bankruptcies. Banks get risk averse. The whole thing goes into reverse, and banks go bust. But you can avoid this, and the only regulation that has succeeded in avoiding this is guidance of bank credit. Simple rules. Um, the simplest form of bank credit guidance is to simply ban bank credit for um, financial transactions. It doesn't mean financial transactions are bad. No, let the speculators speculate and let them even borrow money, but not from banks. That would make a whole world who, of difference. Who do they borrow it from? Well, they can issue bonds or you know, borrow in the markets, whatever they want. But that's risk But, but they, they shouldn't get access to the public privilege of money creation. You I see? know what you mean, yeah. And that creates the problem, that creates the boom-bust cycles. But in some countries, they've succeeded in preventing this asset inflation. Which ones? Such as Germany, without even credit guidance, by having a banking structure, a banking system, that's dominated by banks that don't want to do this financial speculation in the first place. These are the community banks. So Germany with 70% well, of banks. the Landesbank. Being, yeah. No, not no. the Landesbank. The smaller ones, the 1,500 okay. right. Volksbanken, Raiffeisen Bank. Okay. They're actually the main banks in Germany. There's so many of them. Each is small. And they lend mainly for productive purposes to small and medium-sized enterprises. The Mittelstand, which has been the backbone of German economic success for the last 200 years despite wars and disasters, has only been successful because they also have to have local small banks funding them all the way through. That doesn't exist in the UK, and that's been why the small and medium-sized enterprise sector always has, has had a problem in the UK. So we're stuck with speculation and horrific property porn renovation shows. Well, the solution is, of course, to create these small banks. We need to create small banks. They're the natural lenders to small firms. The public wants stable growth, None of those boom-bust cycle, banking crisis, public money used to bail out banks. People don't want that. In Germany, these community banks it's very dominant. Because they've never used public money. In these 200 years, not a single one has ever been bailed out with public money, and no depositor has lost any money. Although, Richard, your argument is complex, principles are terribly simple. It is very simple. And although, you are, I although you are a little defeatist... I'm not def- you yeah, maybe I'm defeatist, I'm, but, but I like it. But uh, it's just the idea of, how can I put it, getting, getting through the regulatory, they are so reluctant. But that's why it is hard work. But that's, why hard work. We, that's why we got you in. We're going we're gonna to have you I think it's, uh, it, I, I think I, I have to say, uh, this has been brilliantly explained. Has the UK got a finance curse? Is it a trick question? Because the UK doesn't have finance. The city of London has, and is not part of the UK. Good answer. Good answer. It's international, is right. The city of London is outside the United Kingdom. Did you know that? It's, it's really shocking. And it, therefore, it's also not part of the EU, which explains uh, the. It couldn't be part of the EU because you have to have democratic elections, and the city of London doesn't, right? It's, it's the banks that have the votes, right? Right. Per staff, you know, well, the exactly. How do you start yeah. unpicking this puzzle? I never knew that's a very useful piece of information. And it's not part of the UK because the Queen is not allowed to enter without permission. She's not the sovereign, therefore, it's not part of the UK. You know, and of course, that's since you know 1688, since the foreign invasion. <laughs> Tune in 
every Sunday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on the bottom line with Joey L. On the New Evolution Radio Network. Come experience life as we know it, as some of you should know it. Yeah, yeah. Place, Marcy, Brooklyn, action. Well, y'all know the action. I got the shorty on my block, always clocking my rocks. He likes the style of profile, I think he won the mock. He likes the way I walk, he see my money talking. Now honey talking, I'm the hottest nigga in New York. I see his hunger pains, I know his blood boils. He wanna run with me, I know this kid to be loyal. I watched him make a few wins, the cop is little sneakers and gear. Then it's just enough for re-up again. I see myself in his eyes, I move from Levi's to get the Versace. Now it's diamonds like Liberace, that's just a natural cycle. Nobody wanna be like like Michael, where I'm from, just some niggas who bounce from a gun. We out here trying to make hard white in the cold green. I could help shorty blow out like Afro Sheen. But I could relive my days if you which is gone. That little nigga's peak, it's time to put it's it down. Come on, come on. They my own weight up in my crown. Got to lock it down and when they run, they my crown. Time to come on. Pick up my chest and make some loot. Got to lock it down and when they run, they my own I'm out here slinging, bringing the drama. Trying to come up in the game and add a couple of dollar signs to my name, I'm out here serving, disturbing the peace, life could be better like my man reclined in plush leather seats, and selling weight, I'm selling eight, bull 16, trying to graduate to push your quarters, y'all, I ain't gonna sweat him, I'ma let him come to me, if he give me the nod, then these niggas gon' see, I'm tired of being out here round the clock, and breaking days, and chasing crackers up the block for my pay, I'm staying fresh, so chickens check, I'm trying to step up to the next level, pushing vets through the jets, diamonds reflect from the sun, Directly in your equilibrium and stunned I'm waiting for my day to come I got the urge to splurge I don't want a lifetime sentence Just give me the word It's time to come on Can't hold my own weight up in my crown Got to lock it down and when they run Shit my crown It's time to come on And stick up my chest and make some loot Got to lock it down and when they run Shit on my own too Hey fella, I've been watching you clock Who me holding down this block? It ain't nothing You the man, nigga, now stop running <laughs> I like your style Nah, I like your style Let's drive around the way Cool nigga, here's a fat. A G, I ride with you for free. I want the long term riches and bitches. Listen to me. You let them other niggas get the name, skip the fame. 10th hour, 100 G, keep your shit the same. On the low, yeah, the only way to blow. You let your shit bubble quietly, and then you blow. Hey, keep it cool. The only way that people fool is let them show his hands, and you play your card. Then these do deal, and I understand. Don't blow your dough on high. The only thing I got in this world is my work, and my nuts, it won't break up for nobody. I like your resume. Pick a day, you can start From now until death, do what's part, nigga And hold my own weight up in my crown Got to lock it down and when they ride, till I drown Time to come on And stick up my chest to make some loot Got to lock it down and when they ride, till I drown Time to come on And hold my own weight up in my crown Got to lock it down and when they ride, till I drown Time to come on And stick up my chest to make some loot Got to lock it down and when they ride, till I drown
Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after these messages on Evolution Radio. <laughs> but you always knew that this is where you wanted to be. This is what I knew I wanted to be in show business, mm. and I just happened to luck out, and things happened. I think you know, you know, you if you you know what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Deep down inside, I think everybody does, and a lot of people just don't go after it. Mm-hmm. You know, cause, and like most people start out, they say, "I want to be a this," but I'm going to get that to make sure I have something to fall back on. Yeah. And what you're doing is you're setting yourself up for failure because you're going. There's a possibility that I'm going to fall back. And when you put that out there, then you fall back. But if you just say, hey, this is what I want to do, and you go do it, you usually get your stuff the way you want it, man. That's what... Um, yeah. definitely took a toll on black male-female relationships, especially in the 1960s, because in the 1960s, black men and black women, they were doing what they were supposed to have done for a long time, which was fight together against white supremacy, against racism. And they were doing this with the civil rights movement. So what happened, people had to come in and infiltrate and have a divide and conquer um, strategy between black men and black women. In 1964, government came in and they pulled black women to the side and they started to classify black women and women in general as minorities. In 1964, that's the first time they classified women as minorities. So they started to give them set-asides and benefits and then they created the, the feminist movement and a lot of sisters branched off into that and that kind of created a rift because a lot of sisters stopped fighting for civil rights and they started to fight for women's rights, but women's rights weren't being jeopardized in the black community. Our first priority was racism, and we should have dealt with that first. We wanted to be free. We didn't need any boundaries, need no man to tell us what to do. Well, we hadn't had no man to tell us what to do anyway. You couldn't tell us what to do in slavery, so who, you know, we didn't really have no fight with you about that. That was the white woman's fight with her man, but we took it on. I want to be free. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. And then women started having babies, what they call out of wedlock, and then that got to be okay too. Oh, it's all right. Once it got accepted by society, all of the rest of the people, then it was okay then to just have a baby. In fact, I don't even want him for nothing but to just have a baby. And then we started saying, oh, I'm going to be the mother and the father. All oh, kind of nonsense. And so what happened was that movement, and there never was a sisterhood in the women's liberation movement between the black woman and the white woman. Because you have to understand, in the tactic of the art of war, when you want to destroy a stronger enemy, you have to get rid of the, the cultural perspective of uh, authority. So what do you do? You have to destroy the man in the society. And that's exactly what they did. I talk about this in my book. You have to destroy the masculine principle, which is the head of the family. That's part of it. The other part is to get rid of the environment and the ways and means for the head or the authority of that family to become and stay the authority and the head of that family. And that is to be the provider and the protector. Take away his means of providing. Take away his means of protecting his family. And he no longer has any rights or any kind of uh, power. So when you have done that, you have now undermined the glue that keeps the family together. Men don't have to be men anymore. So what's the best thing to do? Since you're giving so many favors to women, I might as well be a woman. If whites are involved in their genetic survival, 
and they are threatened by black male masculinity, then it will occur, I have to reduce his masculinity. Yeah, we just recently had the president at Morehouse have to say the male students cannot wear high heel shoes and dresses and carry purses. So something is happening again within the total context of a system of racism and white supremacy. Neely Fuller, who wrote the uh, textbook for victims of racism a number of years ago, in, 19, in the late mid-70s, he used to say in the system, because he was the first person to talk about racism as a system, and he said that as the system of racism and white supremacy moves on, the system is going to have black men wearing dresses. Now, to hear that in the 70s, people said, oh, this is way out. And here we are. You see, there's some black pediatricians who are saying we are developing epidemic levels of the effeminization of young black males. Well, I say the pants sagging it, sagging down, is just a subconscious invitation for homosexuality. You see, it's revealing the buttocks. See, so the pants are getting lower and lower and lower. The next step is to step out of the pants altogether. And so, you step out of the pants, you're going to put on a dress. The effeminization is an essential ingredient of white genetic survival. And the only thing that can prevent it is black people becoming conscious or becoming determined that this is not going to happen to them because if the black men are destroyed, then the black people are gone and we have the state of genocide. It's like when I see that they put every black man in the movies in a dress at some point in their career, I'll be connecting them down like, why are all these brothers going to wear a dress? This happened to me. I'm doing a movie with Martin. Yeah. The movie's going good. So I walk in a trailer. I'm like, man, this must be the wrong trailer because there's a dress in here. <laughs> they come in. The writer comes in. I think he's the writer. He's like, Dave, listen, we got this hilarious scene where Martin's sneaking out of jail. So he disguises you as a prostitute. <laughs> and he put this dress on. And, it, huh? What? The prostitute? No, nah, I'm not doing that. I don't feel comfortable with that. That should have been in a discussion. What? You don't feel comfortable with it. I mean, it's a hilarious bit. All the greats have done it. So, well, if all the greats have done it, it's kind of hacky, right? You're right. So why don't we just not do it? Because I don't feel comfortable wearing a dress. Oh, come on, Dave. Listen, we, we got it all set up. We're supposed to shoot. Every, every minute you waste costs this much money. You know, the pressure comes in. Huh. I'm, now I'm not wearing no dress, man. I'm funnier than a dress. Just give me something funny to say. I don't even wear no dress to be funny. What am I, Milton Berle? Blah, 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 blah. You know, we're going like this. And then finally he's like, ah. And he, he leaves. And then, like, the director comes, Dave. It really would be great if you wear the dress. What is wrong? What is this, a uh, broke back mountain in here? So, wear the dress. I don't want to wear the dress. I want to wear this dress. You know what I mean? Oh, gosh, this guy's so difficult. They leave. Now the producers comes. Come on, David, would be so great. I mean, and then I started thinking about it. All the comics that I've seen, man, you know, strong. Brothers, why, why are they putting us in these dresses? But 
the minute it was clear, I was adamant, I'm not wearing a dress. I'm not wearing the dress. All right, fine. Think of something else. That comes back ten minutes later. The whole new scene, how, damn, how did you write the scene so fast? You know, it's like, so you got to take a stink. Never make it this 
in the pavement, I pray I'm illuminated Over a decade and never nobody's favorite Pot and kilo go hand in hand like we gambling huff My amigo a million grams when we count them enough You was dead broke, I let you hold it back You paid for it, but I fuck around and stole the track Screaming gang gang, now you wanna rap Racketeering charges, caught them on the tap Looking for a bond, lawyers wanna tap Purple hair, got them faggots on your back Free is when nobody else can tell us what to be Free is when the TV ain't controlling what we see Told my niggas I need you Do all the fame, you know I stay true Pray my niggas stay free Made a few mistakes, but this ain't where I wanna be Before I'm judged by 12, put a 12 on my feet Told my niggas I need you Stay up, I know these times ain't true Real life, we're yeah. free Fed investigations, heard they plotting like I trapped 20 million cash, they know I got that off a rap Maybe it's the Michael Rubens or the Robert Kraft Or the billionaire from Marcy and the way they got my back uh, See how I prevailed and now they try to knock me back uh, Lock me in the cell for all them nights and I won't snap uh, 250 is show and they still think I'm selling crack uh, When you bring my name up to the judge, just tell them facts Tell them how we funding all these kids to go to college Tell them how we teaching all these boys stopping violence Trying to fix the system in the way that they designed it I think they want me silent Oh, say you can see I don't feel like I'm free Locked down in my cell, shackled from ankle to feet Judge banging that gavel, turned me to slave from a king Another day in the bing I gotta hang from a string Just for popping a willy My people march to the city From a cell to a chopper View from the top of the city You can tell how we rockin' Soon as I pop up We litty poppin' like Bad Boy in 94 Big poppin' and diddy And niggas countin' me out Like my account ain't busy That's 5 million 20 Sit up and count who I'm busy Pay the 500,000 Hundred round in the city Is we beefin' a rabbit I might just pop up with Drizzy Like what's free? Free is what nobody else Can tell us what to be Free is when the TV ain't controlling what we see. Told my niggas I need you. Do all the fame, you know I stay true. Pray my niggas stay free. Made a few mistakes, but this ain't where I wanna be. Before I'm judged by 12, put a 12 on my feet. Told my niggas I need you. Stay up, I know these times ain't true. Real life, what's free? In the land of the free, where the blacks enslaved. Three fifths of a man, I believe, is the phrase. I'm 50% of Duce and it's that free, yeah. 100% of Ace of Spade, worth half a beat. Uh. Rock Nation, half of that, that's my piece. 100% of title to bust it up with my cheese. Uh. Smokes, my niggas won't ever work together. You run a checker, but they never give you leverage. No red hat, don't Michael and Prince me and yay. They separate you when you got Michael and Prince's DNA. Uh. I ain't one of these house niggas you bought. My house like a resort. My house bigger than yours, my spot. Come on, man. My route better, of course. We started without food in our mouth. They gave us pork and pig intestines. Shit you discarded that we ingested. We made the project the way you came back. Reinvested and gentrified it. Took niggas since the pride. Now how that's free? When them people stole the song and hit niggas with 360s. I ain't got a billion streams, got a billion dollars. Inflating numbers like we po' be happy about this. We was praising Billboard, but we were young. Now I look at Billboard like, is you dumb? To this day, Grandma afraid what I might say They gonna have to kill me, Grandmama, I'm not their slave <laughs> Check out the bazaar, rapping style used by me The HOV, look at my hair free, carefree Niggas ain't nair free, enjoy your change What's your employer name with the hairpiece? I survived a hood, can't no shotgun rob me My account's so good, I'm practically living tax-free Factory, that's me, sold drugs, got away, scot-free That's a C-C-E, copy, kill-free, 
kill me and expect me to not feel away to this day you would say you kill me sucker free no shucking me i don't job turkey say happy thanksgiving shit sound like a murder to me smoke free all of y'all calling out toll free label rock you for millions yet you want to put a hole in me sugar free season but i'm so free you lay a hand on hold my shooter shoot for free i promise world war three Send an order through a hands free Kill you in 24 hours or shorter You can't ignore the hand speed On oh guard, it's off the head This improv, but it's no comedy Sign I fail, hell nah <laughs> Tune in every Sunday from 7 you're listening to Evolution Radio. Visit MakeMoreCommerce.com for more remedies with Joey L. Where remedy meets preparation. Don't even think about changing the station. You're listening to the bottom line with your host, Joey L. Tune in every Sunday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on the bottom line with Joey L. On Evolution Radio. I've always been interested in the occult. Occult is simply a word meaning hidden, and so much of our powers in this world and the way things work are, are hidden. And uh, the more one looks at this subject of how the world actually works, you begin to see that there's a magical system, and I'm telling you there really is a magical system dominating the world of the Western civilization to go to the basis, the fundamental foundation on which things sit in order to understand. Begin to see how magical use of words and terms and symbols are used. You need to start looking at the world of the occult in politics and religion. And the powers that be in this world have set up a world of symbols and emblems and terms and catchphrases. And it, once you understand how this system works, it's fascinating because for the first time, the world opens up to you a whole new perspective on how government works, on how banks work, on how institutions and education. It is very well planned, organized, and directed. There is a hidden agenda, so to speak. And it's been my... Uh, desire to uncover this and once you begin to see the symbols and realize that the symbols for the national coats of arms for countries the flags the seals the presidential seals the emblems for the logos and emblems on corporate uh, corporations especially the, uh, the the corporate emblems for motion pictures and television companies like Columbia broadcasting system. CBS has the eye. The Colombian uh, system goes back to the Colombian faction of the Illuminati back in the early 1700s, not the late 1700s. And I set up a system of merchant banking and had their Phoenician Canaanite symbols and words connected to their societies, their banking societies. We're talking about in the Middle, in the middle East and then through the Greece and ultimately through Rome and then into Britannia and ultimately into this country comes an ancient Druidic Phoenician Canaanite magical system of finance, government, education 
and all of it is right in front of you. But if you don't understand what the words are and what the words mean, you're never going to figure out how uh, this stuff works. And incidentally, where, where do you find a bank? We go to banks all the time. Where do you find a bank? Banks are on both sides of a river. They're called river banks. What does a river bank do? It directs the flow of the current sea. Your money is referred to as the current sea. This is why when you go to court, you have the current electricity because it's the juice. And if you don't have the juice, you don't have it. So if you don't have the juice, you can't capitalize. And the capital is a Latin word meaning money. Consequently, Caesar ruled from what was referred to in history books, Caesar ruled from up on the hill. It was called Capitol Hill, Capitoline Hill, with the Senate. You need to understand that Washington, D.C., as a Jesuit Catholic establishment under international maritime admiralty law, and once you begin to see how the system of the ancient uh, Catholic system, the Jesuits, the ancient Roman Empire, the Phoenician Canaanite banking system, is all part of a world-dominating system. Again, I'm saying you better do your homework. You need to understand that according to the old Phoenician Canaanite system, which we call today our judicial, educational and judicial system, there is no law in this country or in the Western world, no law, federal, state, county, city, commercial, it makes no difference. There is no law on the books anywhere in this country that applies to you as an individual creature. There is no law. They have no control over you, your flesh and blood self. But somebody has to control this show, and so consequently, the ancient Phoenician Canaanites developed a, new, a system by which they would assign to every person a second you. And this is the way it works in America. There is two of you. Consequently, the system has made each one of you a corporation. And how, how now do you distinguish which one, uh, when someone's addressing you, that they're addressing you as the one that your mother gave birth to, or the corporate you? For every piece of important bills, insurance, driver's license, identification, um, taxes, I don't care what it is. If it's a piece of business, period, in any kind of way, shape, or form, your name must, by law, international maritime admiralty banking law, your name must appear in all capital letters. When you sign your name, upper and lower case, that is applying to your body. Your, your flesh and blood self is spelled, according to British and American law, upper and lower case, capital letter, lower case. That's you, your personal self. There is no law that can be applied to an upper and lower case name, period. Pass and read on a check what, what is said where you sign your name. That's why the attorneys tell you, you better check the small print. The Bible of Business on the Earth. Uniform Commercial Code. Uniform Commercial Code is based directly on Vatican 
canon law, on the Roman canon law. Consequently, when a ship pulls into port, it pulls in and stops in its call in its berth. The ship is now in its berth. Because it is on the law of the high seas, or commercial maritime, UCC commercial law, rules the seas. So when the ship pulls into its berth, the first thing the captain must do is to present a certificate of manifest to the port authorities, which means that the port authorities need to know how much is on this ship that you're bringing into our country and our economy. How many TVs, how many cars, uh, whatever you're bringing, how much are you bringing into our economy. So you have to have a certificate of manifest of what is the value of your ship here. What are you doing? Consequently, when you are born, you come out of your mother's water. Therefore, you must have a birth certificate, a certificate of manifest, because you are a corporation-owned item. You are a human resource. This goes back to the German Nazi concept that every human coming out of their mother's water must be birthed. And therefore, you have to have a certificate, a manifest, to see how much this individual is going to make for us in our new world order. I'm telling you that until you understand the laws, the symbols, the emblems, what these words mean, you're never going to suspect how far gone we really are. Did you know, for instance, that your birth certificate is a security on the stock exchange in the New York stock market. Did you know that? Because if you order your birth certificate, get a new one, order your birth certificate, it only costs you, sometimes it's free, it only, only costs you a few dollars, order your birth certificate. On your birth certificate, all birth certificates in this country, on the bottom, it will tell you, this is printed on security papers. Do not accept, if not on full color security paper. Then on the right-hand corner, you will always have a series of numbers, red numbers, printed on the, on the birth certificate. Those numbers are a security stock exchange number on the world stock exchange. You go to any good stock office and ask them, check these numbers in your computer and see how much this stock is worth, the certificate. And they will check it on the New York Stock Exchange and find you, your birth certificate, is a stock on the stock exchange in America. Why? Because you are worth money to the international bank that bought you in 1930. We need to wake up. Greatest single enemy to this totalitarian system is a free people. A free people who can do their own thinking, investigate everything, and have the ability to, to confront the powers that be. And of course we were called, America was called the land of the free and the home of the brave. We are not free and we are not brave.
y'all feeling this morning? What's happening? Uh, you right here? Excuse me. You right here on the New Evolution Radio Network. Call the number 347-989-0194 if you want to get in the holler at me. Just press the number one. It is open for on Friday, so make sure you tell a friend to tell a friend to call in. All right, if you got questions, uh, you need things answered. Okay, this will be the day to do that. All right, so it's open line. Um, a couple quick announcements. I got a seminar coming up in St. Louis. So if you want to attend the seminar, you can register at MakeMoreCommerce.com. Pre-registration. Um, or you can pay at the door. It's going to be at the St. Louis Marriott Grand Hotel on October the 23rd. And I got some other dates coming up as well for some other cities. Um, so I'll be in a city near you. And come drop that info. All right. So with that being said, man, we're going to get into it today. It's Friday. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about banking today, right? And I, you know, I wanted to go into some private banking stuff and maybe just to help some of y'all who's on that journey, okay? Um, we're going to talk about how to get to the bag, right? We're, we're just going to discuss some things that have to do with this, um, you know, because we, you know, when we deal with things like, like trust, we deal with these laws, right? A wider range, uh, array, array, excuse me, of ways to to be able to capitalize, monetize, offer this information. Okay, and one of those ways would be to remember that banks don't create money. And I played that clip earlier, um, and we, you know, we, we tend to forget that, right? When you go into a bank, they're not loaning you any money, technically, okay? And when you put your money in the bank. They take your money and they hold a percentage of it on hand, and then they pass it around, right? Passing the buck. So I wanted to go into this today because this is one of those subjects where if we don't understand how bank deposits work, right, and understand that banks don't take deposits, banks don't lend money, right, we'll be stuck in the cycle. Now, a bank has its purpose, just like anything else, right, and a bank's purpose from the very start, right, is to make money. That's, that's what they're in business for, right? So um, we got to understand that when we're dealing with banks, right, and understand that banks are thought to be what they call deposit-taking institutions. They take a deposit, and then they turn around and lend money off of those deposits. So the legal reality, okay, is that banks don't take deposits and banks don't lend money. I'll say it again. Banks don't take deposits, and banks don't lend money. So then we got to ask ourselves, well, what is a deposit? Okay? So a deposit is really not a deposit. In fact, it's not even a bailment. Okay? And it's not held at the bank. None of that. Right? So we got to understand that. But you put hundred dollars in the bank, you really didn't do nothing. Right now, the word deposit, right, in law, in law is technically a meaningless word. So, okay, the law, and 
and I'll, I'll just give y'all the definition. Okay. Because we want to make sure that we we stick into it. Hold on. Okay. Just a second. I'm going to pull it up for y'all. Now, legal deposit is a legal requirement that a person or a group submit copies. Oh, that's the wrong one. No, let's go to a different one. I gotta pull up the right one for y'all. Here we go. Bank deposits create a contractual relationship between the banker and the depositor. The depositor or the account holder retains the right to get repayment on demand. Now, why do you think they created the banking laws, right? They really didn't want people doing uh, what they call runs on the bank. Back in the 30s, they would do runs on the bank, right? Uh, during the Great Depression, everybody, that's why you, I don't know if y'all have ever seen the old footage, people would go to the bank, and they line up at the bank, right? And everybody would be at the bank trying to pull all their money out. And then the bank would go out of business because the bank had to give everybody their money back. So this is why they created uh, banking holidays. Right? So if you ever wonder why your bank's closed on a certain day, that's the reason why. Okay? Now, the bank owes a liability to the depositor. Okay? So in the bank's financial statement, a bank is shown as the asset of the bank. Right? So understand that, that banks do um, accounts, of, um, accounts of deposit, accounts of credit. So when they're balancing their books, right, we have to understand that banks – Balancing their books based off of how much money they lent out off of your energy. Okay? Everybody's always taking somebody's energy. Okay? Now, y'all give me a second because y'all caught me on the move here today. Okay. Now, and, and I, you know, anytime we talk about this type of shit, right, we got to keeping in perspective, right, when we talk about banking laws, because you got FDIC regulations, right, and you got all these different types of regulations on, on what banking is, right, but if you look up under the FDIC law regulations, they talk about, and I believe it's like section 102, right, under the FDIC, and it deals with like miscellaneous, um, miscellaneous accounts and shit like that. They talked about an account is a formal banking relationship that establishes um, a means to provide or engage in some type of service, some type of dealing, or some type of financial transaction, right? So deposit of account, like I was talking about. So a transaction or an asset account, uh, a credit account, uh, some type of extension of credit, right? So account also includes a relationship that's established between you and the bank to provide some type of safety deposit. So they hold on to your shit and tell you that it's safe. Right? A safekeeping. Okay? So an account does not include um, products or services, right, where, and I want you to listen closely, an account, and this is under the FDIC, they said an account does not include a product or a service where a formal banking relationship is not established with the person, such as a check cashing, a wire transfer, or sale of a check or a money order. Okay, so understand that what they're doing, right, is taking your money and then they relend it back out to you <laughs> or other people based off.
off of your energy, okay? So, and I'm, I'm going to, you know, when we're talking about this today, what we're really talking about um, is contractual relationships, right? Because, like I said, banks don't take deposits. So then you have to ask yourself, well, what the hell is the deposit in? Right? Banks borrow from the public. So we've established that. They, they borrow your money, right? Now, what about lending the money out, right? Because we would say, well, banks do lend money, right? No, they don't. Okay? They don't lend money to banks. It's very clear. Are in business of purchasing securities. This is what they do. They purchase securities. This is what keeps the bank going. So when you understand private banking, you understand that that's based on securities. This is why you have to do what? A security agreement for yourself. Okay, so let's say that you want a loan. Right? Say, here's the loan, here's the contract, right? Here's the offer letter. And then you have a sign, right? And the law is very clear that you have um, issued a security. They call it a promissory note, okay? And then the bank's going to purchase that, okay? So what the bank is doing, though, is, is a little different, right? Because what it presents to the public is different from what it's actually doing behind the scenes, okay? So... You say, you say fine, right? The, the, the bank purchases my promissory note. How do I get my money? Right? Because you don't really care about all the details, right? All the shit that's in between. You don't care about that. You just want to know, if I get the bank some money, or if I go in and I sign something, how do I get my money, right? So the bank will say, you'll find it in your account. And that would technically be right, right? Because you can go and you can see your ledger balance, in the account so if they say we'll transfer it to your account that's also wrong because no money is ever transferred they don't they can't transfer money either they create money out of thin air okay it's what we call a deposit right so it's simply the bank's record of the debt that it owes you <laughs> and that's what they put in your account how much debt do we owe this guy that's why really having Federal Reserve notes, you know, everybody wants to do these processes to get to a bag, but you have to really ask yourself, what are you really taking? If they put $100 million in your account, what are they really giving you? They really are giving you $100 million of debt. And then but really what they're saying is, is we, we actually technically owe this person, okay? So now the bank actually owes you money for the promissory note, and then the record of money that it owes you is what you think you're getting this money. So that's how the bank creates money, right? That's what they call the money supply. So the money supply, it essentially consists of 97% of your bank deposits today, okay? So I need y'all to really understand this, right? And then you get into um, the National Banking Act. You'll see this, okay? So the National Banking Act, it was um, the Act of 1863 and 1864, right? These were two federal banking acts, and we've talked about this. This is also known as the National Currency Act, okay? So they encourage uh, people basically to, to use these laws, and I would encourage you to use these laws too, right? especially when we're talking about this, right? Because the National Currency Act is backed by bank holdings of the Treasury Department. These are treasury securities. These are these are your your your, your stocks and your bonds. Okay, so then you got to deal with what they call the comptroller of currency, and they got comptroller of currency in your state. You got comptroller of currency on the federal level, 
okay? But this is the, uh, and when we talk about, they call it the OCC. So the Comptroller of the Currency is an independent bureau within the U.S. Department of Treasury, right? And this was established by the National Currency Act, and it's basically the charter. It regulates and supervises all national banks, okay, and what they call thrift institutions. So and when we think about thrift institutions, right, these are what they call cooperative bank agreements. It's a, a commercial bank organized on a cooperative basis. This is what you, where you get your co-ops from, okay, uh, your your credit unions, your uh, mutual savings banks, your uh, building societies, your cooperatives, right, all of that, right? So when we're talking about uh, dealing with thrift institutions and national banks, the comptroller of currency deals with this. Uh, all right, and then if you look at what they call federally licensed branches, right, this is where your FDIC comes in at, right, to ensure that they, they try to insure your money up to a certain amount, okay? Uh, so understand that when you're really trying to get to the bag bag, you got to understand some of these basics, like, well, who's the comptroller? What's the function of the comptroller, right? Because the comptroller pursues a whole bunch of different objectives, right, and I'll give you a few of them. One is to ensure the safety and the soundness of the banking system overall to make sure that the banks can keep operating so they can keep floating monopoly money around, okay? Um, it's also to foster a competition by allowing banks to offer new products and services so banks can essentially compete with each other for your business to come in so they can buy your, they can take your money and buy more securities, Okay, it's to improve to improve the efficiency and the effectiveness of the controller's supervision, especially to reduce the uh, the regulatory burden, if you will, of the controller. Okay, it's to ensure fair and equal access to financial services. All right, it's to ensure anti-money laundering, anti-terrorism finance, all of that stuff, right? Because then you start getting on a higher level. We start talking about um, what's that? organization called um, well I can't even think of the name of them right now um, but you, you get on an international level right and you start talking about international banking you have organizations that, that double check to make sure that you're not a terrorist right and that's really important they gotta make sure you ain't no goddamn terrorist and you ain't trying to you know grab a hundred million dollars and, and start a war right they trust me. They'll they'll come pick your ass up and shit like that, right? And so you have to be doing things honorably when you when you're looking at doing this. And this is one of the reasons why people have a lot of problems when it comes down to trying to do securities because they try to do stupid shit like that. Okay, um, this is just what it is, right? So understanding that your control of currency is really really important. All right. All right. Now. Um, I want to make it known, right? When we're dealing with the National Currency Act, you have to have a certified copy of the Currency Act, right? Just like anything else, you need a certified copy of it. So this way, it can be it can be used correctly. This way, you have a uh, discharge case or a court of satisfaction case. You can use it. Okay. Now, um, when we're talking about the National Bank. The National Bank Act of 1863 it was passed on February 25th, 1863, and it was the first attempt to establish your federal banking system, right? So after, because they, they, they tried to establish the federal banking system a few different times, and they failed, 
right? Um, but they did the Federal Reserve Act of 1913, okay? And this established the Federal Reserve, okay? So, and this was done by your uh, 63rd Congress. I think that was, that was like Woodrow Wilson at that time, right? So, understanding that what they did was they created an act to provide the establishment of the Federal Reserve Bank, so they wanted to create the national banking system, right? This was, if you go read that book, uh, Creature from Jekyll Island. Right? That's all up in that book. They talk about this real heavy in that book. All right. So understanding how that works, right? Then we we can understand. Okay. So the Federal Reserve Act was put in place shortly after they did the National Banking Act. So the act allowed the creation of national banks and set out a plan for establishing national currency, which was backed by government securities. Now, a security is a Tradable financial asset. Okay, so the term refers to uh, financial instruments, right? Being able to take a financial instrument, okay, and have some type of monetary contract between parties. So this way, they can be created, they can be traded, they can be modified, they can be settled. Okay, so basically, the evidence of ownership is interest. It's like your birth certificate, right? So. And if you'll notice, if you look at the laws in terms of when they started doing birth certificates, it was shortly after they created these organizations. Okay. Now, the International Accounting Standard, which is IAS, okay, it defines a financial instrument as any contract, listen closely, any contract that gives rise to a financial asset of one entity and a financial liability or equity instrument of another. That's why you do your UCC. And you're not UCC, okay? Because financial instruments can be categorized by what they call asset classes. And these depend on whether they are equity-based, which reflect the ownership of the entity that's issuing the, the particular security, or a debt-based um, situation, which, which is like, think of your student loans, right? So that's a loan. So any instrument that, is, that a debt can can be created by, right, can then be put into what they call short-term or long-term, where you get your short-term loans from, the long-term loans from, okay? Then you have what they call foreign exchange instruments, okay? These would be your uh, international bills of exchange, okay, your IBOEs, okay? And these transactions are neither debt nor equity-based, and they belong in their own category, okay? A lot of times, um, these are backed up by sovereigns, sovereign banks, all that different type of stuff, right? Okay, so really important to understand that because you got cash instruments, okay, you got securities. So your cash instruments are like your deposits, your securities, stuff in the market. Then you have derivative instruments, right, which are basically they derive their value uh, from characteristics such as underlying entities such as an asset, interest rate, things like that, right? And, and or credit default swaps, um, collateralized debt obligations, right? Now, if you don't know what a credit default swap is, this is basically a swap agreement, right? Where the seller of a, of a credit default will compensate the buyer in the event of a debt default by the buyer, or excuse me, by the debtor, um, or and what they call a, a credit event, right? And this basically is, is where an organization defaults on, on the transaction so um, the person becomes unable to honor the terms of the contract entered so it, it becomes a credit event right 
And this is what they do to credit default swaps. So they basically swap shit out. Okay? And I want you to understand that they don't just do this with pieces of paper. They do this with people. Why they call it a credit default swap. Your ass gets swapped out. Okay? So if the reference bond performs without a default, protection buyer pays what they call quarterly payments until there's some maturity. So when the bond matures, right, same thing like when niggas get locked up. They get locked up for a certain amount of time. There's a bond on their head, and then they get a prison number, right? The prison number is the bond number, okay? That's the bond number. So and you may have heard this before. They say that, you know, niggas can really capitalize off their own incarceration if they knew better, right? Because... There's a bond on their head. So for, for the brothers that's locked down, if they really knew this information, they could be getting paid just to be sitting up in that bitch. Right? So in the event of a default, right, the buyer of a credit default swap receives compensation, usually the face value of the loan. Right? And then the seller of the credit default swap to then takes possession of the defaulted loan or its market value in cash. So understand that what happens is we talk about bonds. Right? So anybody can purchase a credit default swap. Even buyers who don't hold a loan instrument and have no insurable interest in it. Okay? So this is the credit advance. Uh, credit default swaps are, are a big fucking deal. Okay? Because then we start getting into asset backed securities, uh, notes. Things like that. Now, and I like the idea of asset-backed securities because this is a, 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 and this is a thing that goes around the world, right? But asset-backed securities are basically um, a security where the income payments from the security, right, and the value of them are then derived from some type of collateral. What you think your passport is, your birth certificate? Uh, any instruments that, that are created from the trust. Okay? Now, the birth certificate, they pull all them together. So, if you was born in 89, 90, 91, 92, 93, 94, 95, whatever year you was born in, when they started creating birth certificates, they pull them together as assets. They, they pull them together into a small group of what they call illiquid assets, which are unable to be sold individually. Okay, so pulling the assets into financial instruments allows them to be sold to general investors through a process that we call securitization. So this allows basically um, the investing or the investors, right, of the of these particular assets um, to to derive themselves through the security of it, right? So basically, when we talk about securitization in the form of securitizing anything, you got to have a monetizer. Okay, monetizers are really important, and you gotta find somebody who can really monetize, not just some gay who off the street. You gotta actually, most times you gotta go to a bank, somebody who can break it down. Because securitization is the financial practice of pulling various types of contractual debt obligations, such as your mortgages, your residential mortgages, your commercial mortgages, your auto loans, uh, credit card obligations, right? All of that shit, right? 
They put them together and collateralize them. Okay? And then they do all this to repay people. So think about mortgage-backed securities, right? And mortgage-backed securities, and I'll say this. Let me say this. Mortgage-backed securities are one of the reasons why they go so hard with keeping property in this country. Because that's where they're making their money at. Mortgage-backed security is an asset-backed security instrument, which is secured by a mortgage or a collection of mortgages, right? So the mortgages are, are aggregated, and they're sold to a group of individuals or a government agency or some type of investment bank, okay? And basically, um, they create bonds to securitize things like your mortgage, okay? So, and I, you know, I don't, I don't get too far into mortgages, but a mortgage bond... Is backed by a pool of mortgages, okay. And um, one of the things that is not really talked about is something that they call tranches, right? And a tranche, in case you've never heard of a tranche. So let's just say, for instance, that you're supposed to get your hands on um, million dollars, okay? And the bank says, "Well, we can't pay it all to you at once." Because we have to sit back and we have to get um, structured finance. So they pay you on what they call tranches. So a tranche is a number of securities that are offered at one transaction. So they may give you a million dollars in four different segments. 250 here, 250 there, 250 here, 250 there. Right? Until it equals a million dollars. Okay? So this is where you get um, the, the bond indentures from. Right, so an indenture basically becomes the legal contract that reflects or covers the debt purchase or the obligation. So it specifies and it refers to two types of practices. Okay, an indentured servant status, which I talked about last week. Okay, in modern usage, right? You know, you can call them that's your modern day slave, and then an instrument used for commercial debt or real estate. I mean, so if you don't think that when you work in a job, they're not collateralizing your labor and making you a indentured servant. And remember, an indentured servant is a form of labor, right, where a person agrees to work without a salary for a specific number of years through a contract for eventual compensation of a debt repayment. Okay? Some of y'all are working off debts and don't even know it. That's how real this is. Right? Some some people are working off debts, and this is why they say you, you pay for your parents' sins. Some people are working off debts for shit their parents to eat, a.k.a. creating your birth certificate, throwing you into the system. Imagine that shit. What up to everybody in the chat? All right? So when we're talking about this whole thing, right, we got to really understand that uh, when they're doing tranches and they're talking about collateralizing things, that directly deals with you, okay? Because as you get what they call an apprenticeship, <laughs> okay? So, and just so you know, apprenticeship is the is the training, right, to become some type of practitioner, right? So you can say, as an indentured servant, you're almost an apprentice. <laughs> All right. So, anyways, back to the tranche thing. Right? When we talk about tranche, right? Like multi-million dollar tranches, right? Um, these are terms that they use in structured finance, right, which can be singled out 
as um, really important things. So the use of a tranche as a verb, right, is, is really only something that you're going to hear in the finance field. You're not going to hear that word too many other places. But tranche means a division or a portion or a pool. Okay, and it's derived from the French word meaning slice or section or a series or portion. Okay, so you got to understand how tranches work. Okay, so all the tranches work together, right, um, to create some type of capital structure. Okay, now there's a word that's called pari passu. Pari passu is a Latin phrase which means equal step or on equal footing, and, and, and it's sometimes translated as ranking equally or hand in hand or some type of equal force or moving together. All right, so this this word pari passu is with tranches, so it means they're gonna pay you in equal tranches, right? One after the one after the other. I'm telling you this because when you start dealing with trying to get your birth certificate uh, monetized and all the shit that people be talking about, that's cool and all that. But when you're dealing with real securities, don't don't get me wrong, the birth certificate is a real security. But when you're dealing with securities and bonds in the bond market, this is what they deal with, right? So, example, um, tranches can be rated as AAA, AA, or A. Now, y'all may not know, but there's some real easy ways to become AAA rated. You can triple A rate yourself if you understand how these things work. Okay, so the the whole deal with with uh, tranches deals with lean, like the first lean, first in time, first in line. Okay. All right, so we'll take a quick break, um, and we'll come back, and I'll give you some more information. Are right, you right here on Open Forum Friday? Call lines are wide open if you want to ask a question or comment. Happy to uh, oblige you. All right, we'll be right back. Keep it locked. Don't away. Also, I am very pleased to see so many who have come out to always uh, see for yourself, where you can hear for yourself and then think for yourself. Then you'll be in a better position to make an intelligent judgment for yourself. But if you form the habit of listening to what others say about something or someone or reading what someone else has written about someone, somebody can uh, confuse you and misuse you. So as Afro-Americans or black people here in the Western Hemisphere, you and I have to learn to weigh things for ourselves. No matter what the man says. You better look into it. An example of why it's so important to look into things for yourself. I was on a plane between Algiers and Geneva, uh, and it just happened that two other Americans were sitting in the two seats next to me. None of us knew each other, and the other two were white, one a male, the other a female. And after we had been flying along for about 40 minutes, the lady, she says, could I ask you a personal question? I said, yes. She said, well, she had been looking at my briefcase, and she said, well, what does that X? She says, uh, what kind of last name could you have that begins with X? So I said, that's it, X. And she said, well, what does the M stand for? I said, Malcolm. So she was quiet for about 10 minutes. And, and she turned to me, and she says, you're not Malcolm X. 
You see, I have, we had been riding along in a nice conversation like three human beings, you know, no hostility, no animosity, just human. And uh, she couldn't take this. She said, well, you're not who I was looking for, you know. And, uh, and she ended up telling me that she was looking for horns and all that and, and for someone who was out to kill all white people, as if all white people could be killed. This was her general attitude, and this attitude had been given her, uh, this image had been given her by the press. So before I get involved in anything nowadays, I have to straighten out my own position, and which is clear. I am not a racist in any form whatsoever. I don't believe in any form of racism. I don't believe in any form of discrimination or segregation. I believe in Islam. I'm a Muslim. Philadelphia coming up. If you want to sign up for those seminars, you can pre-register at the website, makemorecommerce.com. Make sure you sign up for the membership. It's a free membership, all right, um, to become a member of our organization. All right, now, um, let's just, you know, let's, let's keep going on this, and, and I'll open the call lines up here soon if you've got any questions uh, on any topic, really, this Friday. But here's the thing. Right, when we're talking about bonds, right, and bond finance, right, there's no reason why I'm talking about banks and securities today because really the whole bottom line is, is that in finance, people need bonds because if banks not creating money, right, banks going to go out of business, right? They give you paper money while they create indent, uh, debentures and bonds and things like that. So in finance, right, understand that a bond is nothing more than an instrument. Of indebtedness, right? The bond issuer to the holder. So the most common types of bonds include the municipal bonds, the corporate bonds. Bonds are are are, um, are done in mutual funds, right? Um, they can be done in, in private investment scenarios where a person would give a loan to a company or government. So a bond is a debt security, okay? So this, so this is where you get your coupon bonds from, things like that. And when we talk about coupons, right, a coupon is a payment on the bond. It is the, the, the annual interest payment on the bond. So think about this, right? Your birth certificate being the bond, who's getting paid off of you? Who's getting an annual interest payment off of that? Because coupons are normally described in the term of a coupon rate. Okay? So understand, who's, who, who has your coupon? Why do you think when they give you, uh, uh, like, for instance, when you get a light bill, right, and your light bill comes in, why do you think on the light bill, right, they always attach um, a, what would be known as a coupon to it, okay? It's a bond, okay? So, for example, right, if a bond has a face value of $1,000, right, and the coupon rate of it is 5%, then it pays total the coupon of $50 per year, okay, so then you'll get a tranche, right, of two, what they call semi-annual payments, you get $25 here, $25 there, okay, 
But so when we talk about bearer certificates, bearer bonds, a bearer bond is just a bond or a debt security, right? And it's basically issued by a business entity. So this is where your trust will come into play. Okay. So as a bearer instrument, it differs uh, other type of investment securities in that it deals with unregistered securities. Okay. So no records are kept of the owner, right? Or or, or that anything that involves ownership. Okay. So y'all gotta really get this, right? Because when we talk about United States public debt, right? This is why the government is issuing treasury bonds. This is why they, matter of fact, if you go on their website, if you go on the Treasury's website, right, they got it where you can buy bonds from them. They selling their own bonds. They call it paper, seasoned paper. Okay? So when we talk about seasoned paper, it's really only got to be traded around a couple of times for it to become seasoned. Okay? So... Basically, I, I could create um, a security, and one person could buy it off of me. And by the time the second person gets to it, that security is worth a lot more than the first person that bought it because now it's seasoned. Okay, so it's it's um it's the amount of time that has passed since the debt security has been issued, right? It, it it becomes available, what they call to be traded in the public. But then they trade your shit around. And, and don't think that they don't season people either. Okay? So understand that when, when we talk about unseasoned debt, right, or seasoned debt, it's traded for over a year, right, with good repayment track history. And then it becomes what they call blue chip. Okay? It's really stocks. I mean, I'm trying to tell you something. Because a lot of times they're not going to, you know, people are not going to tell you this, right? But a, a blue chip stock is... Is a huge company, okay? It's a huge company with, with with good reputation, right? And then they turn around and they trade these stocks all year long, right? Coca Cola, uh, Boeing, Ford, all these companies are, are considered blue chip stocks. That's why, you know, we had a suit where we, we was we was attempting to sue for um, we was attempting to do a lawsuit. Uh, for discrimination, right? And they shut the shit down. And Ford started coming after this guy real hard, right, because of this shit. But, and this was in federal court, right? But understanding that one of the reasons why they didn't want that suit to go forward was because the precedent that was set already, right, where another person had sued them, lowered their blue chip stock value. Okay? They don't really want you, they don't really want y'all no one a lot of this information because a lot of this information could be harmful to these people, right? And how they securitize things, okay? Because the process of securitization, right? It depends on jurisdiction, okay? And so you're talking about what's the risk value here when they're securitizing anything. So here's a here's a few basics for you, right? You got mortgage loans which are purchased from banks and other lenders. And these are possibly assigned to what they call a, a, a SPV, which is known as a special purpose vehicle. Okay? So they, they're using the bond for a very special purpose. That's a hint for you. The second thing is that uh, the purchaser or the assignee of the particular security assembles 
the loans into collections, and this is where you get, or, or they call them pools. Okay, so they'll pull securities together. If we was really on top of our shit, we would be pulling our all of our birth certificates together, or you'd be pulling your trust together to create an ultimate security. Okay, the next one is the purchaser or the assignee securitizes the pools by issuing the mortgage-backed securities. Okay, so. Just a few things for y'all. I'm not gonna go too deep into this today, but it's you know it's because it's a, such a deep topic. And this shit can go over a lot of people's heads if you're not careful, right? Um, so uh, I'll open up the call lines if you want to holler at me. We'll take a quick break. Call lines are wide open. Be happy to hear from you this morning. All right, happy holiday day to y'all. It's Friday. We're gonna take a real quick break. See what's happening out there. Uh, and we'll be right back. Keep it locked. Don't go nowhere.
right, right. We back, we back. Right on Open Forum Friday. Call the number 347-989-0194 if you want to get in and holler at me if you're in the chat. Make sure you call that number and press 1. Uh, call lines are open, man, if y'all want to ask some questions right now, if you got any consultation type questions or whatever. Um, if not, y'all know I don't got to kick around too long, man. I drop it, I drop it, I keep some moving. I'll be on on Sunday. All right. Um, if you want to holler at me on Sunday as well, on the bottom line right here. Um, but we'll take a couple calls real quick, and then uh, we'll get out of here. Let's go to 310 you on the line. Peace. What up, Joey? Peace, bro. How you doing? Now, 
do they do they still operate the same for uh, business account versus personal accounts? They still do that same uh, stuff on the back end. Pretty much, yeah. I said they, they may do it even more for business accounts Be- uh, because because you got to think about it, right? A business so when they create a business, so so business accounts. The way I look at business accounts is when those things are set up, um, you know, a lot of people are, are running a lot more money through business accounts. Yeah. Right? Mortgage companies, yep. real estate firms, regular small business. People are running a lot more funds through bank accounts for businesses. So that get and that's, and you ever wonder why it's easier to set up a business bank account? A business bank account is ten times easier to set up. Yeah. They don't even require right. happy information. They require, you know what I'm saying, from you trying to open up a personal account. Matter of fact, you could be in check systems, dude, and still open up a business account. Yeah, yeah, because it's its own, its own entity. It's like it's they its own forget. It's like it's way easier to build credit. It's way easier for them to forgive or take stuff off the credit. Like it's just all around a better mm-hmm. move. Why do you think the state wants you to register your business with them? Because because mm-hmm. the banks are tied in with the state. Regulatory right. system. State says, well, we're right. going to regulate this. We're going to make security off of this business. They do it all day long. Yep. I um, you know, before I started getting on any of this information, I was just you know, straight nine to five. Never looked at or thought about starting my own business or anything like that. And so I learned all all of this stuff first, and then going back looking at how to start up these LLCs recently, I was amazed at how easy it is to just start up an LLC out here. I mean, it's like knock that out in like an hour. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's real easy, and I, that's why I don't, I don't even mess with LLCs because um, when you when you have according to according to the convention, like the Vienna Convention and some of the treaties and stuff, when you become a national or a diplomat in that instance, you have to be careful what type of businesses that you set up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, be, be, because it it can it can interfere with your status, right? And so, but if you look at if you look at how easy it is to set up these businesses, right, and then look at how many people pull down PPP loans, right? And when they pull down yeah. the PPP loans, right, the government says, okay, well, we can fund everybody, give everybody PPP, let them go to their account, and then we can turn around, and then we can do credit default swaps. We'll swap the shit out, and we'll create more securities to fuel our economy. <clears throat> Off gotcha. what? All out of thin air. They call it fractional yeah, reserve bank. Yeah. 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 So yeah. you're right, bro. It's hella easy to set up a, a, a LLC because they already know. They know what time it is. Oh, wait, another LLC? More fractional reserve banking for us. Yeah. Now, if... Um, yeah, so it doesn't matter. Now I know you can do, you know, non-interest bearing and stuff like that. And I, I was looking into, looking into that and what the differences were. I was trying to look at different bank accounts, and that seems to, it seems like they can't 
I guess uh, they don't have to do certain reports or they don't need certain things from you if you're doing a, a non-interest bearing versus if you're doing interest bearing, because then yep. they start reporting yep. that. Yep, because they, that's how, that, that's that's another way that they make money is off the interest, mm-hmm. right? And so and so when you do non-interest bearing, they, matter of fact, I mean the bank called me one day out of the blue just to find that. Hey, we just want to know how you're doing. Everything going okay? Thinking myself, when y'all start calling me to see how I'm doing? Okay. <laughs> then, yeah. Then they called me back another day, and they said, "Hey, we noticed that um that your account we we noticed your account is uh is a is a non-interest bearing account." She says, "She says, well, but we can uh, we can change that just a flick of a switch." She said, "You can start earning some interest right now." Just let us know. She, she, they called me about two, three times with that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I was looking at it, I was like, it, yeah, it kind of clicked. I was like, oh, when you switch to an interest bearing, I mean, it, it, we just see the interest bearer part, but what you're really doing is giving them permission to fuck with your money in there and do, you know, make money yeah. off of it. And that's where the interest yeah. is coming from. Giving them, that's right. You're giving them permission to make a little bit of money off of you. Right, and you're giving them permission to. You're also giving them technically permission to take your money and, and trade it around. Yeah, yeah, they start doing what it what they want. Make money off of your money. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh. They they literally take you to the bank. Right, right. Because I started looking, I was like, well, okay, you're giving them permission to. Make money off your money. What happens if they're using that money and messing with it, and all of a sudden, you know, something crazy happens and they lose it all? Man, listen, it's well, you know, they keep a balance sheet, right? And balance sheet basically reflects uh, short-term and long-term expenses, right? That's not accruing interest, right? So that's why, and this is why a lot of people have problems. This is why, for real, for real, a lot of people got problems when they opening up their bank accounts. Uh, Trying to open up trust accounts. That's why Bank of America don't want you opening up a trust account uh, and express for your express trust. They'll open up another type of trust, but express trust, nah, nigga, get out of here. We, we don't want that here. They can't. Yeah, that's they can't what I was looking. No exactly. That's why I was looking. I was like, well, dang, they can't make any money off of this, really, if you open it up like that. That's why they. Yep. That's yeah. exactly the conclusion I came to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a very interesting uh, way that they do these things, man. But uh, when we talk about, because it's a corporate balance sheet, so basically it's a distinguishment between between debt obligations for them, obligations that they can make versus obligations that they can't make interest off of. Mm-hmm. It's an income. It's basically, they they look at how much income is coming in as a credit for us to make interest off of. And, and what they're doing is, remember, they're, they're creating a note. So, okay, you put you put a million dollars in that account. All right, cool. We only got to keep a hundred thousand on hand. So the other nine hundred thousand, we can take and trade around. Matter of fact, we can take. Don't forget how population occurs. Right. Right. Now they can they can do that. Now can they do that? Whether it's can they do that whether it's interest bearing or non interest bearing or they can hypothecation? I, I believe they can yeah. do it because look, 
hypothecation says it occurs when an asset is pledged as collateral to a secure loan. The owner of the asset does not give up title, possession, or ownership rights, such as income generated by the asset. However, the lender can seize the asset if the terms of the agreement are not met. What's the terms of the agreement with a bank account, dude? Yeah, nobody really reads all those. Yeah. See, you open up a bank account, don't they tell you you got to keep a certain amount of money into a bank account? Or they'll close the account? Yeah. Or they'll or they'll charge you a monthly fee or they'll close it or, yeah, yeah. they want direct deposit or they'll charge you a fee. Yeah. Yeah. What you think that's, that's what that's about? Ah, uh, yeah. It's an yeah, interesting that's game that they play. But, I mean, uh-huh. it's legal. It's legit. They can do it like that. And technically, if we were starting on, but we could do it too. Uh, Killer Mike, the guy in Atlanta, he did that. They just don't yep. want you in the bank because of color of your skin a lot of times. And, and a lot of times, sometimes it ain't even about that. It's about... Who who you gonna who how many people can you effectuate once you learn how to do real commerce in this world? Because real commerce ain't green pieces of paper. Because mm-hmm. I mean, piece of paper is just a piece of paper. What about the gold? What about the silver? What about the bonds? What about you know? I mean, you gotta think about this shit. They don't. That's why I'm saying they don't really want you in that guy. Because they know once you figure it out, man. You can come back to sue them. That's the, that's the bank's worst fear that they can come back and get sued. But but that's why they put agreements in place. It's in the small print. We can make a little bit of money off of you. That's why when you set up a trust account, they you really supposed to bring a trust charge up in there. Mm-hmm. That's what's on the website. He does. But you know that's why trust charges are important. Because they going the bank gonna go off the trust charge. Yep. Don't think they won't. Exactly. No, yeah. yeah. That's, that's what I was. Uh, my research. I I made up my. I made up mine for that. Um. So, like when when you going in opening that that account, like for the express truck. I mean, it's they're pretty. Are they pretty much opening it like it's a like a non interest bearing. Uh, business account for like an unincorporated oh, association. They'll try to make it, they'll, 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 so even if it's unincorporated association or a trust account, they'll open it up as a trust account. But it on on paper, it look like a personal account. Right, because it was yeah. Because I mean, technically, that Express Trust is a natural person. It, it, it functions as a person. That's right. That's what I was kind of going. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And they can't come after. They, see. The trustee's nationality is that of the trust. Mm. Yep. Yep. You see what I'm saying? So, so yep. yeah, that's how they look. And if and, and if the trust is a natural person, then what's the what's the trust's nationality? Yeah, it's, it's foreign to them. It's foreign to the jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They hate that shit, man. They they really they they really do. They they don't like I said, bro. They they don't really want um, people knowing that information because it becomes it becomes kind of detrimental to their system. But 
it's still part of their system. That's why you got international bankers, and that's why you get a lot of cats who can take their money overseas and, and hide it overseas. Yep. Yeah. You know, thinking they're getting away with some shit, but they they, they forget. Uh, you know, you, there's still channels that can pull that money back and repatriate. Yeah. Money. Yeah, they don't realize. Like, even if it doesn't, like, if if you're not following the right steps, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. The way the United States set up for its citizens is, you're a U.S. citizen no matter where you go. <laughs> yep. They pull that money. I mean, yeah, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You can go That's offshore all you want. They come. Yep. yep. They sure can. I heard this dude told me a story one time about how. Um, dude that did stuff some international banking or whatever and he didn't do it correctly and got a bunch of money or whatever and what they essentially did was they was out on the golf course golfing and dude said that uh, a, a black van pulled up <laughs> unmarked a couple guys hopped out the van snatched dude up off the golf course with you know they had to go they had their little jacket on and shit from official international organization they snatched his ass up and, and nobody saw him for a while you know, so that's why it's like you gotta be careful. Make gotta play by the rules. They got that's why they, they got the one forty. They got the what? That's why they got rule one forty four a for private securities and how to do them correctly. So you can stay within yeah. the realms of okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this shit correctly under one forty four a because they don't they don't mind if you issue in securities. If people issue see see that's one of the ways if you see like construction companies and shit like that they'll they'll find a way to issue um uh, bonds and stuff to get they to to get their projects done so they don't mind if you're doing that what what they're concerned about is are you doing that like I said to fund some type of terrorist organizations and stuff like that that's where their problem comes in at which i don't mean i mean yeah. you don't you can't you can't blame them you don't want the goddamn Taliban and, you know what I'm saying? Taking taking over a free country, which right. they, which as you do, they you know they've quote unquote done that already. So <laughs> right, they don't basically they know what they did and they don't want any competition. Yeah, of course they're not. They don't want no competition. <laughs> yeah, they don't want yeah. no competition. <laughs> competition is a problem for the people. Yeah, man. You know. So, uh, but yeah, man, that, that's pretty much all I have, man. I'm, uh, I'm gonna hop off. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. Oh, you know, hopping in, bro. Thank you for the conversation. Definitely opens up some yeah. more, you know, some 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 more information for what you know what we built on today. I mean, I think I just think that it's overall it's important that we at least discuss this. I think Sunday I'm gonna really dive into um, income back security. We're going to go into that so people can understand how they make money off of your paychecks. Ah, yeah. okay. okay. You know, so tune in yeah. tune in Sunday. I'll, I'll be, you know, Sunday I, I normally try to like really go in, but today I just wanted to kind of give y'all a basic overview, but Sunday we're going to go in on it. Okay, that's what's up. So, All right. That's what's up. I appreciate you talking, bro. All right, man. Right, peace. All right, peace, bro. All right. Car lines is wide open, man. If y'all want to get in.
All right, this is the time, because y'all know how I do. Like I said, I don't, I don't have to stick around. Be happy to answer any questions, though. So if y'all want to get in, this is the time. I'll give you a moment to raise your hand. Uh, we got a lot of people sitting in. It's not a lot of people with questions, I guess. So we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. If you got a question or a comment, this is a good time to put your hand up. Come on in, and we'll be right back. Let my money fast, nigga. Watch me reverse out of dick He got a bad bitch, bad bitch We live in lavish, lavish I got expensive fabrics I got expensive habits He wanna go with me He like to roll away He wanna be with me He wanna give me that vitamin D Watch it like kangaroos Tell these clowns we ain't amused Man, the clips for that monkey business Four, five, got changed for you Motorcades when we came through Presidential with the planes too When better get you with the residential Undefeated with the cane too I said no to the Super Bowl You need me, I don't need you Every night we in the end zone Tell the NFL we in stadiums too Last night was a fucking zoo Stay diving in a pool of people Ran to Liverpool like a fucking beetle Smoke gorilla glue like it's fucking legal Tell the Grammys fuck that over a shit Have you ever seen a crowd going ape shit? Crowd going, hey, get my money fast and go fast, fast like a Lambo. 
back. It's Friday. Uh, happy holiday to y'all, man. We on every Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern. All right, so if uh, you want to tune in on Fridays and holla at me, make sure you tell some other people. All right, it's open forum. We'll talk about whatever. All right. Um, Sunday, I'll be on Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern. All right. And that's 6 Central. All right. Um, other than that, man, go to makemorecommerce.com. If you need to set up some time with me, I'll holla at y'all Sunday. Um, and let me see. St. Louis is coming up. Philly. Miami and I got New York scheduled. All right, so those are some upcoming seminars. Uh, I know my man said they're trying to get me up in Maryland uh, to come out and do one, so I'm looking at doing that as well. All right, so with that being said, man, I'm, I'm gonna wish y'all a good Friday. Happy Friday to y'all. Happy Holy Day. Hope y'all have a great day. All right, I'm up out of here. I'll holler at y'all next week. Peace.